Hey guys, and welcome to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast. I'm Alex Fasulo, your host, six-figure freelance writer, serial entrepreneur, Fiverr Pro seller, and digital nomad. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about working for yourself online as a freelancer today. I've been freelancing for over six years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Welcome back to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast, where we chat all things remote work, freelancing, mindset, and financial freedom. This week, I'm very excited to welcome on my TikTok friend and money coach, Delianne Barros. Delianne has 116,000 Instagram followers and nearly 200K TikTok followers, where she gives financial education tips and tricks to people to uh, helping them get in control of their financial futures. She hosts free classes and live Q&As to help people better understand how they can invest for independence and achieve financial freedom. We love it. We love being financially free. She is also an ex-employment attorney turned financial independence money coach who teaches people how to slay the stock market today. That was a tongue twister right there. (laughs) Delianne, welcome. Thank you. I can't believe I'm here with the fairy of TikTok. (laughs) You know, I feel like I should have just like fairy wings on, honestly, for this. Just own the brand, girl. Just own it. Pointed ears. (laughs) All right. So when I was reading about you, I really wanted to start this with the fact that you became an attorney. You had the dream job. I love it. This is exactly what people listening to this love to hear. You got the dream job. And for all intents and purposes, you should have been thrilled, right? Like everything, this is what we always wanted. And, you know, you said you weren't, right? Like you knew, you're like, I don't want this. And take us back to what was that like? Was it scary? You know, how were you feeling then? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to describe it is heartbreaking because, you know, I, you know, I was born in Brazil. I was an undocumented immigrant for 15 years growing up. So the dream was to, you know, lift myself out of poverty, lift my my family out of poverty, put myself through school. And I saw that, you know, I saw education as a way to make that happen. So I mm-hmm. like beelined my way through college, you know, through law school. I just didn't want to be, you know, distracted at all. And I did that, you know, I worked really hard to, to, to make that happen, racked up $150,000 in student loans in the process, mm-hmm. but, you know, campaigned at my dream job to get this you know, job at, at a New York City firm on Park Avenue, mm-hmm. right? It felt very like Sex in the City, my Sex in the City moment. Mm-hmm. And I get there, I land the job. And six months into it, I realized that I absolutely hate being an attorney. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I made I made a big mistake. And at that point, you're just too far in. I'm like, yeah. I have so many student loads. I have so much, so many bills to pay. I, you know, 50% of my income is going to rent in New York City. Yeah, and course. I'm just like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it'll get better. And I, you know, I did everything I could to try to make the situation better. I tried to pick cases that interested me. I, I, you know, I chose to be a plaintiff side employment attorney. I wanted to help people. I worked on gender discrimination, race discrimination cases. So the work was interesting. It's all the politics and all the bullshit Mm -hmm. surrounding the work, right? That ruins Mm -hmm. everything. So all the politics with the partners, with opposing counsel, all like how adversarial the whole thing is, which of course I expected going into law school, but there's just so much 
like tit for tat, pettiness, going back and forth. And it's exhausting. And also there's so much about being an attorney that is like very boring, like paper pushing, boring Mm -hmm. stuff that, you know, I'm like, oh, it's not like an episode of Law and Order the entire time. How interesting. So I, you know, landed this, this great job, but I realized yeah, I hate it, but I'm stuck. And I stayed there for like seven years. And that's how long it took for me to even move out of firm life and move into corporate America, which is another flavor of nightmare. (laughs) So I went from firm life to corporate America, which was better. Mm. I doubled my salary and my stress level went down considerably. And it was good for a few years, right? It was good to like decompress and be like, okay, I'm out of this you know, environment, but then it was a different kind of challenge. It was the kind yeah. of like infantilization that you find in corporate America, right? Mm-hmm. Like the having to ask for time off and the boss that constantly comes and like micromanages you and like pokes yes. into your private life oh, wow. and like pops by your desk and wants to have a conversation about the freaking weather, like the little cuts that like kill you slowly day by day. <laughs> Oh my God. Yes. That's exactly it. And then I'm like, okay, so I am now stressed about something else. And I thought, you know, you think money is like the answer to everything. And you know, it's unfortunately it's not. And you think you're making so much money, right? You think you're making Mm -hmm. some, and you are compared to like most of America, but I also have more debt than most Americans. So I'm still like fighting that six figure student loan while I'm going through this. And I'm realizing that I'm like, you know, it's weird. I I checked all the boxes. I did all the things and I'm still nowhere on building my net worth. Like my net worth was like kind of stagnant because I'm trying to chase New York city real estate. I'm trying to do, you know, the things that people tell you to do, go Mm -hmm. buy property, go do this. And finally it got to a point where I'm like, if I don't exit out of this, I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. I'm going to implode right? You feel Mm -hmm. like you're going to implode. And so I started looking online. I started finding information about like the debt-free community. That's usually how people find Mm -hmm. the finance community. You find the debt-free community and that leads you to the wormhole of the financial independence community. And I was like, what is this? What is, what are people talking about? This investing in the stock market and how you can become financially independent and how savvy people were about increasing their income. The whole thing blew my mind. Like I had no idea and that's when like the the seed for Delhi and the Money Coach was planted. And I just, you know, the rest was history. <laughs> wow, that's that's a lot. I mean, seven years and then more yeah. years on top of it, essentially so doing 14 years you know, total. Doing something you know deep down you don't want to be doing. Yeah. That is I have not had anyone on here who stuck stuck it out that long. Yeah. So that you must be tough. <laughs> that, <laughs> That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny. So my, my New York City job that I only lasted four weeks at, so not the same here, was on Park Ave. So whenever I hear Park Ave, I think of like broken dreams and like <laughs> destroyed souls. <laughs> right. And, and I lived in New York too. So I know exactly what you're talking about where you can be making a really good living and it's nowhere to be found because it costs $200 to go get dinner and some drinks and oh, you need to call a cab home yep. and everything you earn that day, it just vanishes. Yep. I know, I know like so much about what you're, what you're talking about here. So I, I guess I'm really curious about how did you segue from working at a corporate job to working for yourself? Like, what did that look like? Did you just quit the corporate job one day? Did you phase out of it? 
No, yeah, I phased out of it because, you know, attorneys were risk averse and I am a yeah. risk averse <laughs> person by nature. So I didn't think when I started my business, I didn't even, I, you know, I to own the word business is also a huge step in your entrepreneurial process, mm-hmm. right? Because we start calling it like a little side hustle. Oh, it's just a little side hustle, a little something, something to make some extra money. When yeah. really the day that somebody pays you for a service or a product, you're in business, right? You are totally. a business owner. So owning part of that is part of the journey too. So it's it's funny because I think the reason why it took me so long to exit is because, you know, what they say is you are the sum of the people that you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the people I hung out with were other lawyers. Like for mm-hmm. 14 years, all my friends were attorneys, right? Sure. And so that was, why would I, like, there's no other model around to like show me another way. So yeah. I'm stuck in this little lawyer bubble, but there was one person in my circle that was doing things differently, right? That had been an entrepreneur since they were 17. We're doing things differently. We're traveling all over the world, had like mm-hmm. a remote business. And it was my sister. It was my mm. little sister. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And she's four years younger than me. And we, you know, we butted heads growing up as sisters mm-hmm. do. I think like sure. sisters are more savages than brothers, oh, in my right. opinion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she was always like kind of planting the seed in my mind of like, why don't you, you know, start a business? Why don't you start this? You know, that could be your way out. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm a worker bee. I used to say I'm always going to be an employee. Like this entrepreneur life is not for me. And I think you had the reason why I believe that is because I hadn't found the thing that really lit me up yet. Right. When you find like that passion, something that lights you up, you just you want to do it all the time. And if you can make it into a business and you can make it into something you can make money off of. Fantastic. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn about finance and talk about finance all the time. Like you couldn't shut me up about it. And so I started talking about it on Instagram and I turned to my sister and I'm like, I think I found it. I think I found the thing that lights me up. I want to talk about personal finance. I want to teach people what I just learned, right? Like that I discovered at 36 years old about investing, you know, I'm like, if I, it took me that long, it probably took taking other people just as long. So she was like, let's go. Like she did not (laughs) even hesitate. And she started coaching my, my, cause my sister is a brilliant business coach. Mm. She started teaching me from day one, like, here's what we're going to do. So obviously Mm -hmm. I had all the knowledge as far as like what the business would entail as far as the coaching and the, and the personal finance stuff. But I didn't know anything about marketing a business. I don't know. I didn't know how to sell a product. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she took me through that process and without her help, I would have given up like 10 million times. I mean, it's rough. It is really rough. You know, and I have to ask about, I I feel like a lot of people put off working for themselves or starting a side hustle because they're almost afraid of shedding their old life. It's it's not even half the, oh, I'm going to make money on my own. It's what about my friends? What about the culture? What about I'm used to crap talking everyone because that's very normal in an office environment Mm -hmm. if you want to fit in you have to shit on your coworkers. you know what was that like like shedding your old life like do you do you have any of your same lawyer friends still or did they kind of just like you know yeah a lot of them i've left behind because they just could not compute what I was doing. And they're just like, I don't understand. And I was told even when I left my firm to go to my corporate job that I would regret it. Like partners would come to me and they're like, you're going to be bored. You're going to regret it. And I'm like, I I don't want to be here. (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't care. So there's always going to be naysayers, right? And people that you thought were your really great friends who all of a sudden become super mm-hmm. silent overnight and are no longer like congratulating you on these big milestones. And you start to realize that I'm like, they just cannot yeah. relate to anything that I'm going through. So no. again, I, you know, I don't take it personal, but I also am not going to be anybody's mm-hmm like punching bag. Like if you're not there for me, you're not going to be supportive. I am really good about moving on. And so I do have some friends that are still in my world and they are lovely and super supportive. And if anything, inspired to like do something similar, but it was a big deal for me to give away that title of attorney, right? Because I worked so hard for it as an immigrant. It was such a big deal. Like I am the first in my family to go to college, definitely the first Mm. to become an attorney. So to turn your back on something like that, Mm -hmm. it, 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 there's just so much, there's such a heaviness to it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know what? I'm not living for the culture. I'm not living for my ethnicity. I'm not living. I I don't have to carry everybody on my back, you know, at least not in this way. And it's, you know, I don't have to be like this martyr to my to my history mm. and once I was able to to see that I'm living for me this is mm-hmm. my life at the end of the day like I'm the one signing the checks I'm the one going to bed at night you know I'm the one dealing with these issues once you start realizing that it's your life you just stop living for other people like you just yeah. cannot right and I'm so glad I realized that sooner rather than later because it, it could have gone on for much much longer right yeah. So putting that aside was great, but I did not leave my legal job until my business was already like pretty profitable. Pretty like I weaned, yeah. yeah, I weaned off of it. I started January, 2020, like two months, two, three months before COVID. And then I quit seven months ago. So March yeah. of 2021. You know, what's really interesting is I have so many people on this show and all of them made these pivotal changes in the beginning mm-hmm. of 2020 before the pandemic. So obviously mm-hmm. the pandemic like came. Do you think like, I don't know, do you almost think there was something like spiritual in the air to tip you off to do that before the pandemic? You know, do you ever think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, right now I feel like there's a big, like with the, you know, great resignation, there's just like this energy right now of people just having enough. Like yeah. they're fed up, you know, people want to yeah. live their lives like on their terms. And I think that that started percolating around 2019, 2020. Yeah. And that makes sense because the market was really high around 2019 mm-hmm. as well. Right. The market was really high. Everything was, uh, the, you know, the, the economy is booming. And whenever mm-hmm. the economy is booming and really high, people are going to take more risks. Mm-hmm. Right? People are going to take more chances. So actually that correlates. And then when the when the economy is down, people are more reserved they're more risk averse Mm -hmm. so I I think that that tracks right yeah I also have a lot of people will say to me that they're afraid to take these risks if they're carrying debt into it so I think you had mentioned you were still carrying your student loan debt at that point did you bring debt into working for yourself and how was that because I know a lot of people panic at that they're like I can't work for myself if I have debt yeah and I would just love to ask you about that I became debt-free August 2020, so before I quit my full-time job. Okay. So I had a plan to, like, pay off my student loans. It took, you know, it took an additional 10 months after I started my business to pay off the student loans. Hmm. But I wouldn't have let that stop me. Like, being debt-free wasn't a qualifier for me to quit my job. What was more, what was really a qualifier was me feeling confident in being an entrepreneur, believing that this isn't a fluke, that I'm actually creating money like from 
like my knowledge from my own, you know, power, because mm-hmm. up to up until that point, I had never generated any income that wasn't tied to a paycheck. So this sure. idea of somebody paying me something like straight to me for something I created was a brand new concept to me. So mm-hmm. first I had to come to terms with that, that I could do this, that this isn't a fluke and that it was a sustainable business model. You know, mm-hmm. that was more of my focus than, oh, you have to be debt free by the time you quit. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's dangerous when people get stuck. I, I understand that debt is a scary thing. I'm yeah. not, you know, I totally get that. But I think a lot of people get so bogged down by yeah. it mentally. They, they let it get into their mindset that they won't take risks, even though there's really nothing risky about what you did in a way you, you created a business while you were still at your other stable job. Right. And I always want to say to people, you know, there's, slow methodical thought out ways to do this which is how you did it and you didn't do anything like crazy right you you did it you know you did it safe in a way and and anyone else can too so if anyone's listening to this because i think they see my story i was a crazy person i just quit my job right i I just was nuts about it i think they think they have to do that too but guys you don't have to do that (laughs) You, you can do it the smart way i saw when i was reading about you that you considered investing in real estate first as your means for investing mm-hmm. in New York City, no less. That's that's baller. I thought about it too while I was there, but I was like, these apartments are like 1.3 million. Like, I can't yeah. do this. This is nuts. And you said that you didn't, you know, you ended up giving up on it and then you found the stock market. Yeah. And I have a lot of people who are pro real estate on here. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear about your side, which is pro stock yeah. market. Yeah. And I'm not anti home ownership. That's the other thing. I'm not anti real yeah. estate. I think that that's important to distinguish too. It's just that I think it's very ge- geography specific. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I rent and I don't buy. I, I moved from New York city to San Diego, which is another super expensive, you know, area yeah. of the United States. After New York City, everything seems cheaper though, but you know, I get a lot more bang <laughs> for my buck here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. So I'm not going to buy in California, especially in this market. But for me, it's like, I am a true city girl. Like I barely know how to work my plunger, you know, like I don't know. I I can barely hang something up on like, you know, this is don't, don't be fooled. That looks pretty put together back there though. Uh, You know, don't be fooled. But but I'm just saying like, I'm not like an HGTV person. I don't know how to like remodel things and nor do I want to, to be honest. Like that is not my my path, that is not my passion. And so for me, it's like, I see the people who do like house hacking and their landlords. And I'm like, that's great that you can do that. But I am, mm-hmm. believe it or not, extremely introverted. I mean, mm-hmm. shock a lot of people. I am very introverted. Mm-hmm. So the idea of having to deal with like tenants and like property managers and this and that yeah. gives me hives. Like it literally gives me hives. So oh, when I found the stock market and I was like, wait, 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 wait. So I can put my money in. I don't have to talk to anybody. This could become 100% passive. I can pursue other passions, other hobbies, and let my money just sit there and grow. It was such an easy sell for me. It was so, such an easy sell. But again, I was in a different position. And so that's why I never go, everybody should do what I do. Because I I was a high income earner. I was already making six figures at my full-time job. And I was able to couple that with a business that also quickly took off. I think I started making five figures in my business within like four or five months. Mm-hmm. So I never want to be like, I did it, you know, so you can do it exactly the same way I did. Like there were privileges yeah. baked in that I had that other people don't. 
Now I know, you know, the stock market, especially, I've, I've had to write about this before, it's intimidating. A lot of women don't invest in the stock market. It mm. tends to still be a lot of guys who do it. So what, what would be like your advice, let's say, I know you can't give direct financial advice, yeah. but what would be your general advice, let's say to like a woman listening to this about how to approach this, the stock market? Because yeah. it can be intimidating. Sure, absolutely. And I think the first thing I want to tell people, at least this is how I felt, I always thought stock market investing numbers, math, oh my God, anxiety, mm -hmm. immediate, right? Like I did not excel in math in school. So for me, I tied finance to math and therefore mm -hmm. the anxiety just like doubled. What I want, the first thing that people understand is that in learning about investing is actually a lot of vocabulary. It's like learning a new mm -hmm. language. And mm -hmm. so if you have an ear for language, which I happen to, learning about investing is like learning a new language. So it can actually be quite lovely once you realize that, that it's just vocabulary. The second thing is that, you know, if you, I, I can't believe I have to say this, if you believe in the wage, in the gender wage gap, which does exist, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, despite what people want to say on TikTok, if you know, subscribe to that, if you really want to close it, we can't sit around waiting for corporate America to close the gender wage gap, right? Like mm -hmm. we're being underpaid. It is there. It's in black and white. It's been documented a million times. Instead of waiting around for corporate America to, to, to do something about it, we should still hold them accountable, but we can't sit around waiting for them. We mm -hmm. have to, you know, take some action. So investing helps to do that. It helps to close the wage gap. It helps to close the wealth gap, right? And women mm -hmm. are, are actually great investors. When we yeah. invest, we actually are great investors because we tend to not trade as much. We don't take as much risk. We're, you know, once we understand it, we're very confident with it. So it's not like about, oh, we need to empower women to invest. Uh, no, it's just, you just need to discover that, this is like, you can do this. Like this mm -hmm. is already inherently a good, you know, idea for you. And there's mm -hmm. an easy way that's baked in where you don't have to be like day trading. You know, I think a, a lot of women, when men are like talking about investing, they're talking about day trading and options and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. You don't have to do any of that, right? Index funds, ETFs, set it and forget it. Investing, go live your life, go raise your family, go live your best single life, go go, go have your hot girl summer. You do not need to be like living in front of like a screen watching stock tickers, you know? Yeah. I think that that's, those are like the, the biggest points. Yeah. Sometimes I find those industries, they come with all the, the special jargon mm -hmm. and, and all the fancy vocabulary, almost like on purpose to, uh -huh. to keep groups traditionally not educated in financial literacy out of it because it sounds so intimidating and then when you get into it it's exactly what you said you're like oh it's just a bunch of fancy words <laughs> that's it i'm because I'm, I'm studying for my cfp right now purely for educational reasons because i'm a nerd and i'm like let me see what this finance industry is teaching about stuff that i already know but yeah. i'm taking my cfp and i'm taking this one class and it's so over the top complicated they're like talking about all these charts and everything and i'm looking at this thing and i'm like they're talking about budgeting. <laughs> Literally, yeah, they call exactly. it like cash flow management, right? But it was this yeah. big convoluted way of doing it. And I'm like, they're literally talking about a budget. Look how complicated exactly. they made the most simplest topic. And so that mm -hmm. is the epitome of the financial industry. They just overcomplicate mm -hmm. everything to make it seem like they're the expert. You're dumb. Go pay an expert to do it because obviously yeah. you can't figure it out. And there's so much misogyny in the financial industry. My mm -hmm. God. And internalized misogyny too. I mean, I don't have just men coming for me anymore. I got women coming for me too. Like the internalized okay. misogyny is very real. 
Yeah, people, I, I won't get into it because my poor listeners have to hear me talk about this like weekly. They know I'm salty about it. I, I, I never, as they always hear me say, I never realized it was as bad as it was until I started posting on TikTok about my income. And I, I will leave it there so people yes. don't turn this off. I hear you. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I feel that. I completely agree. That's why I always encourage people to just like get on YouTube every day and just start learning things because it's so free to learn things today. And, and yes. nothing is that hard to understand. Mm-hmm. And anything that seems so hard to understand, it's not. Like just just go and try it. And, and I think, you know, I think that spills over into a lot of people will write on my stuff. You know, lucky for you that you can become financially free. I can't. And mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, do you believe... Do you believe every person can become financially free or do you think certain people are more predisposed to it based on, you know, different things that have happened yeah. in their life? I think it's dangerous to be like, everybody can do X, everybody can't do Y, right. you know? I don't like prescriptive, you know, statements. It's funny, that's also like another lawyer thing, right? You're taught to never to never say always or never. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because it's not right. You're you're going to get caught in a contradiction at some point. I think that there are the biggest crisis that I see impeding people from becoming financially free is childcare. Childcare, mm. the fact that we don't have paid parental leave, that the fact that childcare is so expensive in this country, I think that that really does hamper a lot of people from being able to pursue a side hustle, from being able to pursue a business. I think it's it's really difficult to do that, you know, and I'm so empathetic to that situation. In 2020, we were all on lockdown. I was in an empty house, me and my dog, you know, I didn't have any distractions. I was able to devote 100% of my attention to my business. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's locked in the, in their house with three kids screaming, crying, needing attention all day long, that's going to be much more difficult, right? I mean, for mm-hmm. me to turn to a mom of three and be like, you should do what I did, I think it's completely ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that she can't do it. It just means like she may not be able to do it at the speed that I did, at the mm-hmm. level that I did, but maybe she can do a smaller, slower version, right? But I think we, you're very good at this in your platform, Alex. Like you're always talking about like the circumstances of things and that sure. we can't just like, you know, divorce personal finance from the world we live in, the reality, right? The mm-hmm. challenges that people are facing. So I think it's so important to to talk about those things. And that's why I use my platform, not just for personal finance, but as a social justice platform, because mm-hmm. it's important that we're battling both. We're educating people, but we're also acknowledging all the systematic challenges that are there holding people back. So yeah. I do want that for everybody. I wish I could say everybody could do it, but I, I just think the world we live in, it's it's much harder than than we think. Yeah, no, I know. And that's I think that's one reason why I love this new gig economy so much, because I feel like it's much more adaptable to a mom who only has two hours per day to put into something because in the past they'd be like oh you can't work a nine to five stay at home good you know good luck right and I think that's what's so great today is that the mom you know a mom can freelance for one hour a day and that is all that she would need to do in the beginning yeah and I, I think that's why it's an amazing time right now hopefully you know heading forward it doesn't regress at all with all of this yeah. financial freedom chat that we're having i think it's amazing i mean we're sitting here talking about finances this would have never happened you know 30 years ago we're just yeah sitting here talking about it all right so what i realize i haven't even asked you this yet by accident what do you offer with your business for everyone listening tell tell everyone more about 
your money coach business? Sure. So I have one product. And let me tell you, another thing that people think is you need to have multiple products, all this fancy stuff. I basically created my my business is now a million dollar business. I just hit a million dollars about a month ago. Thank you. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) And that was with one product, right? And that is with my Slay the Stock Market course that I launched in September 2020. So before Mm -hmm. that, I was doing one-on-one coaching. It was so, I really recommend anybody who wants to get into coaching that you start with one-on-one coaching. You really Mm -hmm. do need to like make sure that you can deliver a transformation before you start building courses and start, you know, doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, you're you're going to get a better pulse of, you know, of your customer base. Yeah. But so I did that for a while and then I pivoted to slay the stock market where now I can service a much bigger audience. So not only do people have access to this, the course, the digital course, which they can watch at their own pace, right? It's all pre-recorded. You have lifetime access, but you also get access to me, which is really what people want, right? They want somebody they can, they can ask questions to somebody they can mm-hmm. bounce ideas off of. And so I go live two times a month and I answer questions related to what's in the course. And mm-hmm. I've been doing that since September 2020 and it continues to grow. We have over 3,200 students enrolled. So yeah, it's been a phenomenal program. I get tons of testimonials in my DMs every single day. I don't even have to ask for them. People literally just send them. But the whole point of the course is to teach people about the basics of investing. I would say it's a it's a beginner to intermediate course about investing long-term investing. We're talking about index funds, ETFs, individual stocks, buy and hold. It is not a day trading course. I don't talk about like crypto or day trading or options or anything like that. So if that's something that, you know, people are interested in, that that's the course for you. If you're looking for something that is about day trading and options and all that, that I don't do that. You know, it's not something I practice. It's not what I preach. So you're you're in for the more long-term game with investing. You don't like the like risky short-term stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is such a thing as investing for like shorter goals, like, oh, I'm going to buy a home in like three to five years. Can I invest for that? I think there is a way yeah. to invest for that. But not, but the, the people who are like buying and selling and churning and trying to create a, a, a weekly income or a monthly income from their trading, I don't, I don't engage in that. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes, that makes sense. I know you wrote on your website, time is on your side, obviously with investing. People always say that. I think you wrote somewhere, you're like, I wish I had got, I had gotten started sooner because you got started at, I think it was 36, it said. But what, what would you say to someone who's listening to this? Let's say maybe they're 18, maybe they're 48. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what would you say to them about staring down, starting their investment journey? What would be your like parting words of advice? Yeah, I think, first of all, know that you can start with a dollar. You don't need a lot of money, right? You can start really simple. Investing doesn't have to be complicated unless you make it complicated. Mm -hmm. But the first step is if you have a job, go find out if you have a 401k, sign up for that 401k, start Mm -hmm. learning about that account. And then if you don't go open a Roth IRA, those are like the top two accounts that most people should have. And do that before you jump on the Robin Hood train. Just, you know, yeah. just saying. Like, usually people start backwards. They start on the Robin Hood and then they're like, oh, I think I have a 401k at work. I'm like, mm, let's let's reverse yeah. that. And take your time. And whether you're learning on your own or you, you know, get a coach to help you or something like that, don't think that you can just download an app and learning how to invest is going to be intuitive. It's not intuitive. Like you Mm -hmm. do have to invest a little time into it to learn, like I said, the vocabulary, just so you don't make some major mistakes, right? That you're going to have to then fix 10, 15 years down the road. It's better for you to just get it right the first time. 
And then it's kind of on autopilot after that, really. Yeah. So it's easier than most people think. I, yeah, I like how simple you just made that. It makes it seem way less yeah. overwhelming. So, and, and I think that's the secret to all of this is to just not get overwhelmed by it and just take it piece by piece. All right, so what is next for you? Do you have any big surprises incoming? <laughs> any, any new business launches? Nothing big, honestly. My goal is to make Slay the Stock Market you know, better, keep updating it because that's the thing about investing it's constantly changing. There's constantly mm-hmm. new laws coming out. We have a new spending bill that, you know, the Congress has been fighting over for forever. So I think when that finally comes out, there's going to be a ton of new laws that are that are going to in- affect investing. And so I really like being the expert in one on one thing. Like I mm-hmm. like knowing that like this is my niche and I'm focused on it. So mm-hmm. I double down on my my own education and what I provide to my students. So mm-hmm. that's what's happening. You know, maybe we'll see a book or a podcast uh, in the future. Yes. But <laughs> we'll see. Like, honestly, I just hired my an assistant, which oh, nice. was a big deal. Like somebody who's really going to be with me in my business. And that's like my biggest focus right now is developing that person and helping to make my business a little more passive for myself. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And congrats on hitting that uh, million dollar valuation mark. That's amazing. All right. So for everyone listening, where can they go do business with you and or follow you on social media? Yes. I live on Instagram mostly. So definitely find me there. I post a lot more. So find me there at deliannthemoneycoach.com. Oh, Deli and the Money Coach, Or you can go to my website, deliannthemoneycoach.com. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on, on TikTok and on <laughs> Twitter. All the things, right? I feel like there's yeah. too many platforms today. There um, really are. But Instagram is really where I eat and sleep. Where you thrive. <laughs> where <laughs> I thrive the most. For me. That's I feel safe. I feel yeah. safe on Instagram. I don't know. TikTok freaks me out. Yeah. I like Instagram. That's fair. I, I'm like the opposite. I live on TikTok and I go on Instagram and I'm like, oh, I'm bored here. <laughs> I got to go back to TikTok where That's there's so like really funny. weird things happening. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Eliane, for coming on. This was amazing. And I hope you continue to just slay it at everything that you do. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. 